0: Let's come to God in prayer. Lord, tonight we gather in worship and we turn our thoughts and attention to you, acknowledging your presence and also seeking you at this important pivot point between 2021 and 2022. And so, Lord, even as we look at your word, we pray that you speak to us Help us to see how we can move forward into 2022 in a way that is honourable to you. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this evening, Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Now, less, uh, less than a week has passed since Christmas Day, and if you are participating in this service together with somebody else, I just want to invite you to Turn to that person, or maybe type in the chat, and just, you know, sit, ask, uh, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the new year? Okay, so just maybe one word or two words. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the new year? Now, some of the things that may come across our minds when we think about the new year are probably things like holiday or countdown or fireworks, or traffic jam. Uh, But you know what crosses my mind when I think about the New Year, other than watch night service and the sermon? (laughs) I think of the word hope. Okay, hope. Now why? Because New Year signifies to me new beginnings. I know that's largely a psychological thing. Uh, All those resolutions that we make when New Year comes around, can be made in the middle of the year, uh, most of the time, circumstances would be exactly the same. You know, Whether you sign up for a gym membership at the beginning of the year or whether you sign up in the middle of the year or towards the end of the year, although, other than some promo, usually it's o- almost the same thing. It's the same gym, it's the same sort of membership fees. But there's just something about having a point of time when certain changes can happen whether it's breaking a bad habit or starting a good habit now for example i've been reminded by many of you about how prosperous i look after such an extended period of lockdown and i acknowledge (laughs) i i know that i am uh, rotunder, and i assure you it's not because i preach the prosperity gospel or because I've been eating nothing but Prosperity Burgers from McDonald's. Uh, But there's something about the New Year that makes a commitment, for me at least, to start exercising and and being on a strict diet uh, that makes it more appealing than any other time. And so tomorrow is the 1st of January. I already have my lunch plan ready. Okay, I'm going to do some salads or something. So... The new year can be an opportunity for change for the better. But as we stand on the brink of 2022, looking forward to all that 2022 holds for us, it can be incredibly helpful to turn around and look at 2021 and take some time to review it. Although 2021 has not been the most normal of years for most of us, we are still very responsible for how we responded to these extraordinary events, to the pandemic and the lockdown and the work from home and everything else that we went through. And so for the decisions that we made, we are responsible. We are responsible for the person that we have become one year later at the end of 2021. And so it's important to look back and review our year because it's through review and introspection that we're able to see what needs to change and how it needs to change. And that's why I've chosen Psalm 139 for our passage today. I chose this psalm because it describes the acts of review and introspection in the way that it should be done, with God firmly in the centre of it very much part of the entire reviewing process. And so a big idea for today is that intimacy with God results in desiring His will. That's our takeaway message tonight. Intimacy with God results in desiring His will. And one of the things about Psalm 139 is that it's one of the most descriptive passages of the intimacy that God has with man. The first thing we can see from it is that God knows us. I think about the person, the, the one person that you're closest to. It can be your spouse, it can be your sibling, it can be your best friend, anybody. And so, how well does this person know you? Do they know everything that there is to know about you? Now in my, in my visitations, I've occasionally come across elderly couples who've been married for many, many, many decades And they can still find out new things about each other. And they ask things like, you used to like me in primary school, how come you never told me before? And they're just finding out about it during my visit of all times. And so there is a limit to how well another person can possibly know you. Either because you've intentionally kept a portion of yourself inaccessible, for whatever reason, or simply because they have not had an opportunity to come to know that part. Of you, and we also live in an age where privacy is respected and almost revered above all rights. We have come to expect privacy as a default state. We can hold entire conversations with each other without revealing anything about ourselves at all, even in church, even in a small group. We can attend small group uh, week in, week out, and still not share anything about ourselves. Let me give you an example. We've been having discussion questions in our sermons for more than a year now. Many of you would have discussed it among your small groups or even among your own families. And uh, a sermon discussion question can be uh, something like, how can you be more aware of the needs of others in your school or workplace? And you will hear answers like, oh, it's important to know the needs of others. Otherwise, people will just look like, look at Christians and say they only care about themselves, those sort of general answers that don't have much to do about personal application or sharing about themselves. Another example, even within small groups where people are generally closer with one another, uh, during prayer time, the leader could ask, is there anything that you're struggling with that we can pray for you? And often the response is, please pray for my nephew, he's looking for a job, or Pray for my mother. She's not feeling well. Of course, nothing wrong with praying for others, uh, and, and I understand if some of us are not comfortable to open up to others yet, especially if we're still new to the community. But my point is, by default, we're used to privacy and keeping ourselves hidden from others, even within our church community. Now, whatever our reasons for keeping ourselves. Uh, uh, hidden and, and not wanting to share with others. We all have parts of ourselves that we don't share with others. And that may be an effective strategy for keeping people at a distance. But no matter how much we try to conceal parts of ourselves from others, especially the unsavory parts, the shameful parts, God knows us. And as verse 3 tells us, He is familiar with all. Ways. Oftentimes we think of God as a distant God. Even in our mind's eye, we picture Him as being high, high, high up in the heavens, far removed from our daily affairs, only paying attention to us when we pay attention to Him. But Psalm 139 tells us that God knows when we sit and when we stand. And it's not just talking about our you know, sitting and standing in worship service. He knows when we sit and stand at home. He knows when we sit and stand in a... Okay, we don't stand in a car. But He knows every action that we do, God knows. Even the things that we have not yet done and we are just considering in our minds, God knows. He knows the most boring, mundane parts of our lives and the most exciting and exhilarating parts of our lives. And it's not just the parts of ourselves that we we consciously hide from others. God knows us even better than we know ourselves. If you're familiar with the Johari window in psychology where there's this portion of yourself where you, you are not aware of who you are, God even knows that. He knows what we will say, what we will think, even before we ourselves say it or think it. God knows us. And with that knowledge comes intimacy. Our knowledge is the first ingredient of intimacy. And that's why, as I've said many times, the the biblical word for lovemaking is to know a person. Because knowing a person comes hand in hand with getting closer to them. And so with an omniscient God, a God who knows everything and knows everyone that there is to know, there is no one who can be as intimate as God with us. Not even our spouses can be as intimate with us as, as God. But the, the reverse is also true. We, uh, sorry, the reverse is not true. We cannot truly know God. Even when He reveals Himself to us in His Word, Our knowledge is limited by how much we understand, what we interpret, how much we know about the background and the context and all that. And so a lifetime study of God and his word would just be scratching the surface of knowing this infinite God. But the more we learn about him, the more we discover that we can trust him. There will be times when our lack of understanding of God and his ways will lead us to a crisis of faith when what we understand about God just doesn't reconcile with what is happening in our lives, when a good and loving God allows uh, such a a long, drawn-out pandemic to persist, when a destructive typhoon ravages a nation that is filled with people who profess to follow Him, or when He promises for the innocent to be vindicated and it doesn't happen, or perhaps when we try to do good, and we get rejected for it instead. But if we cling on to the truths found in today's passage, we will be able to trust Him. Because if God knows everything there is to know about us, and at the same time God also knows everything there is to know about what's happening in our lives, and at the same time God loves us and wants what is best for us, then surely we can trust His plans for us. One of the themes that has been commonly uh, recurring many, many times as we look through the book of Genesis was God's providence that even though He, he is sovereign over everything, we can still trust that in the end, He works everything, else, everything out for His good and our good. And especially because we know how limited our knowledge is of everything, we can trust God's plan for ourselves. And so if you believe in the existence of God, then it makes perfect sense to trust God, the all-knowing, all-loving God. And the wonderful thing about God's love for us is that He loves us in spite of the fact that He knows every inch of us. Despite knowing the ugly sides of us that we, keep out, that we keep hidden from the rest of the world, despite the many times we have consciously showed our contempt for him in the manner that, we, in the manner that we, we think or behave, he still loves us more intimately than anyone ever could. So, take a look back at 2021, at all the things that have happened, the joys you have experienced, the pains you've gone through, the secret sins. God knows all that and He loves you. Despite all of that, God loves you. And so, how much did you trust God with what you went through this year? How much did you surrender to His ways knowing that He knows you better than anyone else and that He knows what you need, and he knows what you can take. The second ingredient of intimacy is presence. And while the the bond and closeness that you feel out of knowing someone intellectually is valuable, knowing them emotionally requires their presence. You can only really be intimate with someone when you are with them. once again, the relationship that God has with us is the most intimate relationship we can get because He is always with us. On Christmas Eve, I spoke about how Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That because of the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day, God is with us in a special way that He had not been before, both spiritually and relationally. But even from our own birth, God has always been with us because He is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. And that can be both bad and good news depending on the state of our relationship with Him. If we see God as a policeman we're trying to avoid because we break His laws, then it's very bad news because He is always there. He's watching us as we sin against Him. So, It's futile to to try and pretend around God. It's something that we do around people, but we cannot hide our true selves from God. But at the same time, if we see God as a savior, as someone who can rescue us even from the darkest pit we may have crawled into, someone we can turn to even when the rest of the world has abandoned us, then knowing that God is right there with you when you're trying to climb out of that gutter, that... That is a great comfort. I'm not sure how many of you have been on a silent retreat before, uh, the type where you don't talk to people, you don't even make eye contact. If you haven't, I encourage you to try one. Our Trek Institute for Christian Ministry, uh, ICM, organizes a few every year. And if you're interested, let me know somehow, or, or you can inquire with the office. We can point you to the next one. And it's a, always a great experience when you can experience God in the quietness, usually in the quietness of nature. Uh, hopefully by, by 2022, there will be these physical retreats where you can actually get to these uh, places of nature. But in a silent retreat, there's usually a retreat director who guides you And while it might be torture for those of us who can't stand being silent, it's really a very refreshing time when you can relax and discover God in new ways. And one of the things that you will discover is that you can experience God in so many ways. Take nature, for example. When you're silent and focused on God, you come to appreciate God's creative touch in the plants, or the wind, or the birds, and so on. And as you appreciate these things, you sort of feel like you're in many of the Psalms, or the book of Job, where you see the strength of God in the mountains, you see the vastness of God in the sky, you see the precision of God in the detail of every leaf. And what that leads to is an outpouring of worship. Because at that point, you recognize that God is right there with you and you just enjoy His presence. The the spiritual retreat itself doesn't summon God. God The silence, the retreat director, meditation on scriptures, all those things don't bring God there. God was always there all along. It just takes the right condition of our hearts to recognize God for where He is, with us, everywhere. So think back to this year, did you see God in the highs and lows? Did you praise and give God the recognition He deserves when you celebrated a particular accomplishment? Did you continue to seek God even if He seemed absent during your worst trials, when you were feeling most alone and isolated? And in the same way, God will be present and working in your life next year in 2022. God will always be at work around you, moving things into place. And so the question for us is, will you recognize God next year? Will your eyes be open to all that He does? Not just in the opportunities that may benefit you, but also in the ways that, where you can join Him in His work, the ways you can serve the people that he sends to you. So now, so far, I've been talking about how one's knowledge of you and their presence in your life creates intimacy. But by that definition, even uh, a stalker can be intimate with you. you know, they, can be, uh, they can know a lot about you in, in uh, stalking your Facebook page and, and everything, knowing your pattern. Uh, they can be around you all the time. But what separates a stalker from someone that you have an intimate relationship with would be the state of your relationship with them, whether you turn towards them or whether you turn away from them. And So even if God knows every bit about you and he's always there, but you ignore him and and try to live your life separately from him, then you obviously would not have an intimate relationship with God. Now, Psalm 139 is written by King David. And David was somebody who knew God very well. Remember, he's the man after God's own heart. And if you look at verses 1 to 13 in Psalm 139, it's all descriptive. God knows David. God is everywhere David goes. But in verse 14, David responds in praise. And that's because David has turned towards God. Because of the relationship that David has with God, the fact that God knows him and always, is always with him, all those things make God's relationship with David an intimate one. And because of the intimate relationship that David has with God, it naturally results in David desiring God's will. If you think about the people that you are most intimate with, the ones who are closest to you, the ones whom you love. You tend to want what they want. I'm not talking about the stale relationships where you've drifted far apart. I'm talking about relationships where you are on fire for that person, uh, usually at the start of a courting relationship, but not limited to that. It can also be platonic relationships where you're really close with the person whether it's a friend or a sibling. And when you're so close with that person, you want what they want. You want to watch their favorite shows. You want to eat their favorite food. You, know, you, you just gravitate towards what they want. And so that's how close David was with God. God's will seeped into David because David had turned towards God who knew him and was always there With him. Out of that intimate relationship that David had with God came David's desire to do God's will. And so David takes on the desires of God to the extent where he hates those who are evil and those who hate God, and he counts them as enemies. Let me clarify here this passage is not asking us to hate our enemies, okay, because Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Rather, we are to count everything that is against God as an enemy, which means it's not something that we ourselves approve of or something that we participate in. And although David doesn't express this zeal for God in the right way, Jesus would later teach us the right way to deal with our enemies, which is to love them. And that's something that he showed by dying even for those who abused him and executed him. And so if you've always struggled with discerning what God's will is, or you've always struggled with wanting the opposite of what God wants, here's your solution. Turn towards God. Allow that intimacy with Him to develop. Whatever you decide, whatever you think, whatever you do, decide, think and do whatever turns you towards God. Have the right orientation. As Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 to 9 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And this is the Apostle Paul uh, telling the, the Philippians to follow his example as he followed the example of Jesus Christ. Now the last thing I want to note about this psalm is how it ends. It says, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Even in David's zeal of desiring God's will, David is still open to being corrected. And again, he asks God to search him. And so this psalm both begins and it ends with David asking God to search him and to know Him because David considers God's will to be greater than his own. And so searching to do God's will should be followed with a commitment to remain open to correction by God if we hear Him wrongly or we discern Him wrongly or our own sinful methods and motives begin creeping in. And so as we review 2021, and we ask God to search us and to bring to mind all things that may have offended Him, remember that it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at our acknowledging our wrongdoings and apologizing for them. That's just confession. We need to put our best foot forward into 2022 by asking God to lead us in the way everlasting, taking steps towards what God's will is for us instead of stubbornly following our own will and when we take steps towards what God wants that is repentance now, tonight's service is called a watch night covenant service and a covenant is a binding agreement between two parties later we have a covenant prayer that we will use and this is a prayer that has been used and passed down by John Wesley the founder of the Methodist Church And we will later use this prayer to renew the covenant that we have made with God to follow Him as the center of our lives into 2022 and beyond. And so as we do that, may we remember that God knows our heart. He knows how much of those words that we really mean. And so my caution to you is that even as we approach the prayer, uh, this covenant prayer, that we won't pray it if we don't really mean it. And so later we will have time to uh, read through the prayer. And let's also remember that God is here with us right now and that covenant we will be renewing is done before him in his presence. And so whether you are here as a worship enabler in this sanctuary or you're at home, wherever you are, God is there and here with us. And we renew this covenant with him in his presence. And lastly, may we covenant with him with every fiber of our being as we desire to do his will because of the intimate relationship that we have with him. May the Lord bless us with joy and determination to live authentic lives born out of the understanding of his word. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.